previous to, I think, um, a lot more like social media and a lot of stuff that's been able to proliferate and uplift a lot of voices that before weren't really heard. I think I felt really isolated and I kind of started my career very much. Um, I mean, I was dealing with a lot of personal issues. I was deeply closeted and not having a strong sense of my identity and kind of working my way through that. But I also was just constantly surrounded by men and doing everything. And so, um, yeah, it's been nice in recent years being able to talk and, and engage with so many other women um, who are doing not even just music stuff, but all kinds of stuff in all kinds of different industries. Um, it's just nice that everyone's actually like talking about it, <laughs> you know, and like making moves and doing stuff and sharing uh, secrets and tips and trades. And I think one thing a lot of people have told me uh, over the years is that because if I get an email from from someone and they're like hey how are you doing this I'm more than happy to break it down for them because I I think that there is something nested inside of uh, a lot of you know the patriarchal construct that pins pits women against each other as competition but I just I really don't come from that perspective I think the more women that are doing things for themselves and succeeding at it the better Today, we're spending time with electronic producer and vocalist Natasha Cometto. She talks with me about identity, her new 7-inch, finding her confidence, and the new direction of her live show. Keep listening later in the episode for a sneak peek of Pour Down, one of the tracks off her upcoming 7-inch, out December 2nd. You're listening to The Gritty Birds on KXRY Portland, X-Ray FM, 107.1 and 91.1. My name is Jenny Ren Stotrup. I'm an artist, producer, and podcaster based out of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I tell a new story straight from the voice of a successful artist or industry professional. Ready to learn the secrets of the grittiest creatives today? Stay tuned. This winter, Natasha Cometto is releasing her first vinyl. I feel really inspired. I've been, I think after I put out Inevitable and all the label drama and all that stuff that I went through, I was feeling not as inspired. Um, I mean, I, I, I put, I did write these two songs and the lead single pour down is I think one of the better songs that I've ever written. So that was nice to sort of keep my, my writer's ego afloat, I suppose. But I really, I feel like after a lot of the like balancing that I've done in 2016, what I would really like to do in 2017 is just focus on writing a, a great album. Kind of my main my main focus. I mean, I would love to tour more if it comes up, but um, I feel like in the past years, it's been such a frantic push and uh, such an urgency that I've been doing everything with it. Um, I'd like to not, I'd like to be writing not in that space of there being um, a, tick, a ticking clock, so to speak, because I don't think that, that there's such a thing in music, but we're often told that there is. Natasha grew up in Sacramento, in a family of four. She's a first-generation American. Her dad's family came from Europe when he was really young. Natasha describes her parents as self-avowed feminists and shared a love of music with her brother, who worked at the Virgin Records store as she was growing up. My brother and I, I think, I think he was one of my biggest, earliest musical influences, um, just as far as, like, like I said, he had friends that were into the same stuff, and we would always geek out on music together, and then... Um, he ended up actually working at a Virgin Megastore. So 
we would be able to just raid a lot of their collections and their import section was like the main place. Like I was obsessed with getting uh, like rare imports and remixes and singles and stuff. And him, him working there made that really easy. <laughs> that's not a bad, that's not a bad thing. I know. I was just thinking about the other day about how much music I used to spend or how much money I used to spend on music, like so much money <laughs> comparatively speaking. I mean, I still, I still buy all my MP3s and I pay for all my streaming subscriptions and stuff, but it's just crazy. Like how much money I would save just to buy CDs. The first electronic album Natasha bought was Daft Punk's Homework, but it was underground music that really inspired her initially. I do know a very pivotal moment for me electronic music-wise was, actually I was talking to a friend about this the other day, um, was the soundtrack to The Saint. It was a movie. (laughs) That's so funny. It's such a good soundtrack, though, because it very much captures that sort of like, I think it was like 1996 or something of like that moment when electronic music was really kind of starting to explode out of the underground. And uh, I was pretty young then still, so I would think I was too young to go to raves, but um, I just loved the music. And I think that I, I had been, previous to that, had been always really into like disco and sort of some of the deep house and stuff that managed to sort of break through the surface of of the pop sphere but I think it was those records that kind of um inspired me to search for more stuff and more underground stuff and I'd kind of just was a huge electronic music fan from then on out. Natasha's brother helped connect her to even more artists despite the fact that she was too young to go to shows at the time. Yeah I I was lucky because I got um I was in Sacramento so I was really close to San Francisco so my older brother's friends um, and older brother's like older siblings would go to raves in like San Francisco and stuff. And then they would come back and bring, um, bring us all the, the underground music and like mixtapes and stuff like that, mix CDs. Natasha moved to LA after leaving Sacramento, enrolling in a program at the Musicians Institute. She describes it as a pop academy. It was here that she was introduced to electronic production and looping. I'd already been singing for quite a while and I really wanted to learn how to um, accompany myself with piano. And I initially set out to go there to kind of learn how to do that and focus on songwriting. And then part of the program for keyboards there um, was synthesis and digital production, which ended up taking up way more of my interest than I would have thought initially, but I kind of got swept up and, um, and that stuff and was able to sort of um, delve into one of my great loves, which is electronic music. So she relocated to Portland a decade ago. Natasha started performing and self-releasing for fun, but took a deeper leap four years ago with the release of Crisis through Portland based label Dropping Gems. I don't feel like I really like took it seriously as like a genuine like career path until um sort of like right before I put out crisis and then things kind of started, you know, I got a manager and an agent started touring and actually like viewed it as a legitimate thing to do, I guess. Um, but I don't know. It's tough to put a timeline on it. Cause I feel like everything up until now in my life has precipitated this project and assisted this project. So it's hard for me to like delineate 
length of time. I guess, I mean, I started producing digi- on digital platforms when I was in school, but I feel like before that I was always messing around with like eight tracks and trying to, you know, loop my voice over itself on loop pedals. And I was always trying to get into the general, you know, idea of producing. So it's tough to say when it actually started. That was Takeout, a track from Natasha Kometo's 2013 release, Crisis. In 2014, Natasha hit the road for a national tour with TV on the radio. The opportunity came up after guitarist and fellow looper Dave Siddick heard Natasha on the radio. Most of the major tours and shows I've played have been through personal connections to people. Um, TV on the radio in particular was just because Dave heard, Dave Siddick heard my music on uh, like satellite radio or something and was really into it. When Siddick first reached out to her, Natasha questioned whether it would make sense to pair the two bands who share a different musical aesthetic. In talking to Dave, because I remember when he sort of had talked to me about doing it at first, I mean, obviously I was excited about it, but I was like, are your fans going to like dig what I do? Because it's kind of different. He would like, he he just would say that, you know, it's it's the vein and the the way that we approached music was similar. And he's like, you know, a lot of... TV on the radio fans are very open-minded and just like 
they like what they like. So I think um, it actually worked out really well. I th the audiences were all really receptive and I got really good feedback from all those shows. So I'm really glad that I did it. It was also cool to be on a, a tour of that scale. Stepping into a major national tour was intimidating at times for the artist, but it taught her a lesson in perspective. Any endeavor artistically, obviously, because you care so much about it, like our, our knee-jerk reaction is going to be to to be nervous about it or scared because all that stuff's coming, all the anxiety, fear, all that stuff's coming from, you know, a fear-based place. But I think if you relax and just enjoy your experience, um, that goes a long way. I mean, I've... I've literally, I'll never forget, like, I was so stressed out on the TV, on the radio tour that I don't think I even, like, fully registered or, or enjoyed everything that I did on that tour, which I don't have regret about because I think it was important for me to learn that lesson. But, like, I remember my friend telling me after I played the Apollo with them, like, you just played the Apollo, and I think I was like freaking out about something like a release or a release date being pushed back or something. And my friend was like, you need to just like wrap your mind around what just happened and like live in that moment. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think wow. a lot of artists like can get caught up on like, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? Like, how do I push this forward? Cause they're very excited about it. But I think also just enjoying your moment and relaxing and realizing that the whole thing's going to be fun if you make it fun.
That was Your Girl, from Natasha's 2015 release, Inevitable. The record is lush and clean and exuberant. It was delayed multiple times, something Natasha found frustrating. But it set the foundation for a year of major shifts. This year, she got married and took time to settle. She credits her job bartending for one of Portland's venues for allowing her to continue to tour and create while maintaining a sense of balance. This year has been... I mean, I guess I did do a really large national tour, but this year largely for me has been about kind of resetting and refocusing on getting some balance and personal growth a little bit. I think the time between my first record and my second record was really crazy. And I was um, playing a lot and trying to push really hard on creating new content really quickly. And I think... um, it's been nice to sort of take a second, take a breath um, before moving on to like the next sort of bigger project. And also I decided this year that I didn't want to play uh, my live show by myself anymore. So it's been cool being able to uh, rehearse a band and sort of reapproach the live show from that perspective. I also taught myself how to like program a light show and stuff too. So I don't know, this year's been about a lot of, I guess, like behind the scenes kind of stuff. One of those behind the scenes creations is a new single releasing on vinyl in December. The seven inch includes the tracks Pour Down and Free For Tonight. It's the first time her music will be on a record, something she'd hoped to do with Crisis and its follow-up in 2015, Inevitable. They were both supposed to be put out on vinyl and uh, they ended up, labels ended up having funding issues so they didn't and so um with this track in particular with the the um kind of what it's about and stuff it was really kind of all about a process of empowering myself and so I really wanted to self-release vinyl (laughs) as sort of just like a um a celebration of sort of like being able to just take ownership of something and make it happen and not be depending on anything and I don't know. The the track is very much about empowerment. So I kind of wanted to just take the step. And I just, every time I go on tour, I have people really wanting vinyl and I never have it. So <laughs> now I'll finally have it. <laughs> the road to vinyl had some bumps, including funding issues and a near release with Federal Prism, the label started by Dave Siddick, who she had toured with the fall before its release. So I released um, an EP with Dropping Gems, and then I did Crisis with Dropping Gems, which, um, yeah, we had some some stuff fall through with some investors on that label, so we ended up not being able to press Crisis to vinyl. And then um, I was signed to Dave Siddick's label, and then they ended up not being able to do everything that I wanted to do. So I decided to release inevitable dropping gems again, just as a cassette release. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I hope one day I can maybe get both of those albums pressed to vinyl. Cause that's how they were meant kind of to be. That's how I wrote them. But um, regardless, I'm really excited to have a seven inch out and kind of get the ball rolling with that. Natasha has long produced everything by herself, but has found herself increasingly opening the doors to collaboration. I I produce everything at at home, and then um, uh, Inevitable was sort of the first time I had used a a separate mix engineer for my stuff, which I actually really enjoyed having a second set of ears um, on, on the project before it goes to mastering to get that third set of ears, so... 
Yeah, I um, I produced and recorded this at home. Um, I did track vocals at a separate studio um, for this one. And then, uh, yeah, uh, Jeff Bond mixed it for me. And then um, I had uh, Breakpoint Mastering do the mastering, so. The split doesn't come out until December 2nd, but here is an exclusive sneak peek of the track Pour Down. That was a sneak peek of Pour Down by Natasha Cometo. The 7-inch is released December 2nd, but you can hear it tonight at Mississippi Studios as a part of Siren Nation Festival. Until last year, Natasha performed exclusively solo. That changed with the entrance of LGBTQ pop group Shanti Darling. The supergroup paired her with fellow vocalist Chanticleer True and keyboardist and producer Damon Boucher. Their explosive set debuted at PDX Pop Now in 2015, then won Willamette Week's Best New Band Poll in 2016, before signing this year with Tender Loving Empire, paired with an inspiring solo tour earlier this year with Beacon. She is ending the year with a huge new direction in her live show. So I have a backup singer, um, Donovan Edwards, and I have a second keyboardist, uh, Damon Boucher, who uh, I met through working with uh, Shanti Darling stuff. And... uh, yeah, we kind of, I, after that tour in February, I was just like, you know, I, I really want to sort of hit reboot on the live show. I felt like I had gone, um, sort of, sort of to the furthest that I had gone with just having it be me just on stage. And, uh, Beacon was really inspiring because their light show and visual show was so sort of, they, they could turn like shitty dive bars into like this immersive experience just with lighting and visuals. So I knew that uh, I wanted to kind of up the ante production level wise. Yeah, the band thing I was a little bit nervous about just because I 
this this project's always been so much about me sort of doing everything myself. Um, but once I rehearsed um, with those folks, it was just it sounded so full, and the the energy felt really good. We've played two shows together so far, and they both just felt really good. And it's really awesome not being on the road by myself either. In addition to her collaboration with Chanticleer and Shanti Darling, Kometo has also begun DJing. The series Jump Jack came about in the need for queer spaces in North Portland. It takes place every second Saturday at Mississippi Studios. Jump Jack is definitely um, born out of wanting to still maintain uh, a queer space on Mississippi, basically. Um, uh, Casey had told me that she was going to discontinue Queen and um, really wanted to make sure that there was still like a queer space held at Mississippi studios. Cause it had been there for like, I think seven years or something. So um, she'd approached me about possibly taking it over. And um, I looped in Shanti cause I feel like he's a, actually a really amazing party promoter. So um, yeah, we kind of weren't expecting to do that, but it kind of landed in our laps. And so uh, it was a nice moment for me to, I've been wanting to launch like a separate DJ alias for a while. So it's kind of, allowed me to uh, get the early goings of exploring my uh, my nasty Tasha alias. It's nasty Tasha? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Natasha is still exploring her identity, what it means to be seen as an other, as a gay woman, and how to frame that in powerful ways. I don't think I have it all figured out <laughs> yet, but I think, um, I don't know, for me, a lot of my experience with everything attached and related to my music career has been really influential as my toward my actualization as a as a human being so I think a lot of the experiences that I've gone through and witnessed and 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 taken part in have led to um I don't know like it's like a lot of the like the things that I've experienced have, have sort of allowed me to have the, the, uh, the life experience to sort of narrow things down to who I am, I guess, if that makes any sense. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I have, I feel like I had a little bit of a leg up in that I was raised by people, you know, who are both self-identifying feminists. So I think that that, um, definitely helped in me feeling, I don't think that I allowed myself to for very long feel undermined because I was a woman, but I do think that, um, part of, um, a lot of like, especially like the last years of things that I've been processing, it's a lot actually what the single is about is, um, kind of like acknowledging that there is a disadvantage, but also not making that disadvantage still be your disadvantage as a woman. Like obviously things are, the system is not rigged in our favor, obviously. But I think the, like a lot of my thinking lately has been about like, okay, how do we, how do we push past this? What's the solution? And I think that Talking about it is really good, but also I, I am more oriented in talking about empowering and uplifting as opposed to just sort of acknowledging it and being pissed off about it. She embraces the current sharing culture as a potential agent for change, a way to bring us all together in the end. 
Yeah, I mean, I think in, in sharing experiences and expressing experiences, it, it helps other people to be able to relate and maybe feel more empowered to express their experience as well. So I think it's a, I don't know, I see, I see it as, I see very positive momentum. I think a lot of people um, maybe who are unaware of these paradigms existing are, their initial reaction is sort of like, oh, wow, I had no idea it was this bad and they're angry or sad about it. But I think that where I'm seeing things going from there is, okay, well, I'm going to take these feelings that I have and put them toward creating a solution. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm, 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 I'm all about that. (laughs) If you want to hear more from Natasha and keep up with the seven inch release, you can find her music on iTunes and follow her on socials at N-A-T-A-S-H-A-K-M-E-T-O. You can see her tonight at Mississippi Studios as a part of the Siren Nation Festival. This Sunday Siren Nation Festival will also be hosting a free workshop by myself, Podcasting 101 from Vision to Publish, at Kennedy School at 2.30 p.m. It takes place right after a panel all about podcasting, including myself, Bitch Magazine Sarah Merck, the host of Propaganda, and more, beginning at 1 p.m. Thanks for tuning into Gritty Birds on X-Ray FM. You can follow me on socials at G-R-I-T-T-Y-B-I-R-D-S. Gritty Birds is produced by myself, Jenny Ren Stotrip, out of the production studio at X-Ray FM. This week's board operator is Dan and Drips. The episode was transcribed by Chris Martell and Christina Donaldson. Talk to you again next week with Chuck Westmoreland. <laughs>